Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. I'd like to take a minute and thank you for being a fan of The Violet Hour. We heard all your feedback through our social media pages, and we listened. That's why we're bringing you The Gloom, Violet Hour Media's fourth narrative fiction podcast. If you like true crime, mysteries, thrillers, or if you're just a fan of great storytelling, you're going to love The Gloom. The Gloom is about an investigative journalist who uncovers clues surrounding a decades-old cold case where she eventually learns the horrifying truth about a systemic cover-up tied to her own past. Think The Ring meets Serial. The entire first season is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, it's starring Tobin Bell of the Saw movie franchise. So I'll go ahead and turn it over to Samantha Williams so she can introduce the infamous unsolved cold case of The Fillmore Four, a group of teenagers caught up in a ghastly web of murder and destruction. Listener warning. The following contains adult language and depictions of violence. Please proceed with caution. If you like this program, let us know on social media. You can find Violet Hour Media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Violet Like the Flower, Our Media. Thank you for listening. Violet Hour presents. Light and sweet, right? Time is 10.04 p.m., 16 November, 1993. Interview with Dr. Darlene Harrington. Look. I'm tired, and I've had a really long day, so if you... Trespassing? Misuse of state property? Is that the best you've got? Negligence and duty of care? You're just fishing now, detective. I know you care about them. I do, too. But I can't put all the pieces together without your help. Why don't you go back to the beginning? How did this all start? As it always does. With kids left out in the dark. And ignored. It starts in the gloom. Go on. Take your time. When I arrived at Fillmore, I expected that the kids, particularly the older teenagers, would have significant... Dr. Harrington? I'm sorry. What? The older teenagers had significant... Significant what? Behavioral issues and... Oh, God. No. 
No. No. Dr. Harrington, what's going on? Dr. Harrington. Darlene! Can't you hear it? Oh, shit. It found me. What, Dr. Harrington? What, what are you seeing? We have to get the fuck out of here. No. No, no. It found me. God, no, it found me. This chilling police interview would be dissected by law enforcement and armchair detectives alike for years. The interrogation of Dr. Darlene Harrington, a 38-year-old child psychiatrist working for the city of New York. It was taken on the night of November 16, 1993, a night that will forever live on in infamy as the night of the Fillmore Four, a night of death, disappearance, and the birth of a mystery that remains unsolved. This case is shrouded in rumors of overzealous doctors, bureaucratic cover-ups, and even the bizarre stories of the supernatural. This is Lifting the Rug, a production of RFE Radio, where we explore hidden secrets, unsolved mysteries, and shine a light for justice. I'm Samantha Williams. Join me on this eight-part series as I investigate the events and people leading up to and including the night of the Fillmore Four and venture with me into the gloom. Episode one, In Medias Res. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? From the headquarters of Civic TV, the channel 83 News at 10 with Jim Brand, catching you up on the stories of the day. We interrupt our regular broadcast to bring you a late-breaking event as it unfolds in Queens Village. Our own Nick Wren is live on the scene. Nick? Thank you, Jim. Yes, first responders continue to battle a fire contained to Ward 9, a unit of the Fillmore Psychiatric Hospital that houses adolescents. We are receiving reports of multiple injuries and possible fatalities. The case of the Fillmore 4 is not something I had heard of before it was introduced to me. It's not as well known as the Manson family murders or the Zodiac Killer. There is no movie about it. And like an urban legend that had more than a little truth behind it, it was an otherwise forgotten shadow in the annals of modern history. But among true crime in psychology circles, it is perhaps even more infamous. The case itself has all the elements you'd want in a story. It involved allegations of malpractice on the part of the doctors, a system that failed children, multiple deaths, boards of inquiry and the shutting down of a facility. But it was all brushed away in time and complexity and we were left with, as always, a group of kids that were stranded and damaged by those who were tasked to protect them. Unfortunately, it was a story all too familiar to me and to many others like me. I'd known kids like the Fillmore Four, bouncing from foster home to foster home, 
in front of cops or judges who didn't understand what mental health issues looked like in teenagers. I know this story because mine was one of them. I had lived that same life and it was pure luck that I didn't end up in jail or in a grave. In a way, I wanted to help them because no one was there to help me. But all journeys of healing must start with the first step. The first step in this journey came in the form of an email from the brother of one of the Fillmore Four. It read, Dear Miss Williams, I have tried writing to several people at RFE, including your producer, but did not receive a response. I believe that you were in a unique position to understand and do what is required. I am the brother of Alicia Higgins, one of the missing Fillmore Four. Please let me know if you are willing to meet. Thanks, Johnny Higgins. I went down an internet and YouTube rabbit hole on the Fillmore Four for about five hours. The story and claims were unbelievable. I was shocked I hadn't heard about it before. I asked my producer about it and the email, but he knew nothing about it either. Then a second email came through from Johnny. No subject, no text, just an audio recording. Time is 10.04 p.m., 16 November, 1993. Interview with Dr. Darlene Harrington. That was the first time I heard the recording. It was only a small segment, but after the YouTube rabbit hole in this, I decided it was enough to meet Johnny Higgins and find out if there was a story worth telling. Hi, Johnny Higgins? Samantha, is it? Or, or Sam? Either is good. I don't mind. Samantha's cool. Like that chick from Pump Up the Volume. I've never heard of that one. Is that a film? You work in radio and you ain't never seen Pump Up the Volume? <laughs> I think I just showed my age. It's okay. I, I don't really watch a lot of films. I really want to meet someone more private. It's so uh, open. I don't meet anyone privately for interviews. It, it's a best practice. Not safe in my line of work. Yeah, fair enough. What's with that? Oh, yes. I, well, my producer said I should make a point to record my interviews for clarity later. It's good for authenticity of the story. If I have your permission, of course. Oh, God. So the intern's the only one who bothered to show any interest in this. Is that it? Hey, I'm here because RFE thinks there's a story worth telling. At least to find out if there is. And I'm not an intern. Okay. Okay. Yes. You have my permission to record our present conversation. Perfect. Is that a Sony UX560? That's right. Do you have one yourself? Nah, but I keep tabs on audio tech. I work with the deaf jucks. I used to chill with LP. Nice dude. <laughs> no shit. You talk to your mama with that mouth. <laughs> yeah, I was I was part of the scene in the good old days before social media killed everything. For all that SoundCloud bullshit. 
Give me all nostalgic. Now, now, now the recorder, you got this, okay, for stuff like this. But it doesn't beat the Panasonic SV3800. That was gold standard back in the day. It'll record better than that thing. Best that recorder ever made. More reliable than it picked up sounds even a human ear couldn't hear. Unless you listen closely. So you were a rapper or something? I was a sound engineer. I went to college same as you. Abandon all assumptions. Make your life easier later. What did I assume? Hey there, how are you this evening? What can I get for you? Good. I'll just have a coffee. And you? I'm good. Terrific. I'll be right back. Thanks. You should have got something. I got you. No, I'm good. I've been having some trouble sleeping. Look, I I didn't come here to have coffee. All right. So tell me what you know. I don't even know where to start. There's so much. And it hurts. And it's still just so overwhelmingly fucking tough. Even even though it's been almost 20 years. Why don't you start with Alicia, your sister? She was the baby. She was supposed to be the one. Turn out okay. Yeah. Do you know what a degauser is? Uh, no. Back in the day, they used them to erase tapes. It's like they did that to our lives. They erased us because we don't fucking matter. Do you mean like the hospital? The state? (laughs) Girl, you got some mad unpacking to do. What do you mean by that, Johnny? Look, I can't tell you what it is. You got to figure out on your own or you won't believe me. Try me. (laughs) Something evil took them kids. Go on. They all came from pretty bad backgrounds, like Alicia and me. We didn't have a lot growing up. Dad would hustle for work, mom would whoop us when we fall out of line. But then, it all just changed. Mom and dad died. Then it was just Alicia and me. So we'll never live in the same place after that. I guess it's all a bit different to what you used to. Yeah. My introduction to Johnny Higgins offered me a profound window into his psyche and soul. And it was all too familiar to me. He talked about growing up poor with his sister. Alicia's mental health issues that would see her finally be committed to Fillmore. The love of his grandma and the shock when his little sister did the most unspeakable act to the one they most loved. You could understand why Johnny would say something evil took his sister. It got me thinking about all the families that suffered along for the ride. Johnny was also one of the many casualties of the Fillmore fallout. One of many lives ruined and forever haunted. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
Queens, New York, November 5th, 1924. Today marks the opening of the Fillmore Lunatic Asylum, an 800-acre bedlam with fully operational dairy farm, fertile fields for the cultivation of crops, and even its own stop on the railroad. By the middle of the 20th century, America had a vast array of self-sustaining psychiatric facilities of varying levels of medical benevolence. While you did have the groundwork for sound and innovative practices that would segue into modern medical care, there were also invasive, destructive practices such as lobotomies, a procedure that involves severing connections in the brain's prefrontal cortex that left patients in a stupor confused and incontinent. With federal budget cuts and lack of adequate oversight, this led to facilities re-examining practices that may now be looked upon as egregious and taking unacceptable risks with their patients. One of those risks was hiring Dr. Darlene Harrington, a woman who had already faced controversy over her practices and care of patients in a Poughkeepsie, New York facility for troubled youths. We need to remember that we are not just clinicians. To the young adults in our care, we are often seen as a surrogate parent, which is understandable when there is no other caregiver present. Fillmore was under the leadership of one of the most renowned and conservative clinicians in the state of New York, Dr. Edmund Lasher, who revolutionized the use of mood-enhancing medication to regulate patients with severely delusional schizophrenic behaviors, particularly adolescents. The word friend is not and should not be included in the job description of parent. Similarly, the clinician administering to their patient has certain responsibilities and obligations. Being a friend can make exercising these more difficult because sometimes we must do the hard things that others can't or won't for a greater good. On paper, it seemed like a dream fit. The old, experienced, and well-respected professor and the precocious wonder kid. Given the resource constraints, it was perhaps the best Fillmore could hope for. But as it often happens with great people in their field, they have great egos to match. They will likely do well with an increase from 120 to 200 milligrams at approximately midday and 11 p.m. Expectant results and change behavior could be expected in four to six weeks, approximately. Testing and review to be completed pending the pathology results. Though there may be some unexpected side effects for them, their experience and our observation will pave the way for others, and there will be value in the study. Evening, Sam. How goes it? 
It goes. It goes. Hey, I have you on speaker. Can you hear me all right? Are you recording this? Always. But why? You, you don't need to keep you anything. You don't know what I need. And neither do I. Okay, follow the NSA's motto, collect everything. <laughs> it's not like I don't have the storage. So, what do you got on that Fillmore thing? I got a lot. I've got bad practitioners, negligent hospitals, and a Department of Health so backlogged, they don't even answer their phones. Mainly, I've got a whole lot of obstacles. Okay, so what's the angle? I think... I think the bureaucrats let these doctors get away with murder. Literally. Okay. Strong accusations. You got any evidence to back that up with? Not yet. I'm working on it, though. And I'm close. Well, keep working and get closer. We're not a YouTube channel that yells conspiracy, and you are an investigative journalist. Any witnesses? Anyone willing to go on the record? A brother of one of the victims. He shared information with me, but there is a lot to get through. A brother. I'd prefer a doctor or a health official. What's with the brother? He's got a lot, but he's holding back, though. Just distrustful. I think he's been through the system before. A crazy jaded brother out for revenge? He's not crazy. And quite frankly, I don't particularly like that term. Oh, come on, Samantha. No, 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 don't Samantha me. You always do this. You belittle me. Be careful, Samantha. I appreciate you letting me run with this story. I respect that. I just would prefer you didn't call the guy crazy. That's how people are going to hear it. Look, I'm not going to tell you how to run your investigation, but you need to be skeptical. The audience is going to want proof. Okay. Get a doctor. Okay. Better yet, get a state official. Okay. You get that, and it's the system, not just some rogue doctors. Then it's a big story. But you gotta get something on the kids. I mean, that's the key to it all, right? Yeah. Hey, Sam. Yeah? You're doing good. You just needed a kick in the pants. Who else is gonna help you, yeah? <laughs> Thanks, boss. Cool. Now go make some trouble and get us famous. In order to get the doctors, get the system, and get the story, I need to get to the heart of it. What happened to the Fillmore Four? Those that died and that went missing, never to be seen again. The best place to get to the bottom of it all was with the man who has religiously spent more time on the subject than perhaps anyone else. The brother of the missing Alicia Higgins, Johnny. Yo. Hey, Johnny. It's Samantha Williams. I was just wondering, did you know where I could get access to more of the recordings or information? You want me to do your job now? No. It's not that, but I respect that you have done a ton of background on this. I would be stupid not to take advantage of all the good- You see, you don't really give a shit. You just care about your story. As long as you have enough of that, you don't really care about getting justice for those kids. Johnny, listen to me. I'm just a green journalist. Fine. I'm not a lawyer. I can't get your justice, but I can put your story out into the world. If it goes out in the Lifting the Rug series, 
They can't take it back. And that genie can't be put back in the bottle, okay? Besides, I resent your comment. I care about your sister's story. I know what it's like to not have your story heard. Look, when you tell me their stories, I hear my own, okay? Yeah, okay. But I'm going to need something more than just a police interview and some opinions to pressure others to talk. And I need something about the kids, not just your sister. Alicia. Alicia. If we want people to care, we have to make them care. I need to show what happened to them. All right. I haven't slept in two days. I don't got the headspace for this right now. I got to go. Peace. Thank you for calling the New York City Department of Health Division of Records. Your estimated wait time is 65 minutes. As always, I had my work cut out for me. Your wait time is 30 minutes. Your estimated wait... Yeah, Department of Health Records. Hi. We spoke about an hour ago, and I believe you transferred my call, but I was directed to another extension and then disconnected. Oh, yeah. Film 04, right? Correct. And what, you're filing a freedom of information claim about... Um, anything I can get my hands on. Well, this case is closed. It's been closed since 1995, so... So, you're saying... I'm saying that a report was submitted to the Department of State and finalized in June of 1995. If you want to read that report, you need to contact the State Department of Health and file a FOIA with them. Okay? I can't help you. And that's it? Yeah, that's it. What about the case notes? Sorry, what case notes? I have the psychiatrist case notes on the kids. The Fillmore 4. Well, that's state's evidence. You need to return it immediately, ma'am. Look, there's going to be some serious charges coming your way if you don't. Hang on a second. I just volunteered this information to you. I shared it. And, and furthermore, I am a journalist. Is the city in the habit of threatening journalists now? Ma'am, I'm but a humble functionary. Look, if you leave me a phone number, I'll speak with my superior and I can circle back to you with all the goods. Okay, it's Samantha Williams from RFE. Hang on, I gotta get a pen. A week later, I was happily surprised to get a package in my mailbox. I don't know how it got there. No return address, no distinguished markings, just a plain brown envelope. Hello? Mark, it's me. I've got them. Uh, what's that? The tapes, Mark. I got the fucking tapes. Huh? And I think I've got the Department of Health a little rattled. This is big, Mark. Bigger than I was anticipating. Hang on, what are you talking about? Hey, here. Just listen. Tell me how it makes you feel, Kiara. Like I'm sinking into my own body. I'm like a passenger. It, uh, it t- t- takes over and um, does things. What kind of things? <laughs> Kiara, I've received some news. 
Have you been talking to it again? What has it been saying? It's been telling me that the only way it'll go away is if I feed it. And what does it want, Roland? Blood. Patients exhibit auditory delusions of homicidal ideation indicative of childhood schizophrenia. Holy shit. That was Dr. Lasher. I've got them all, Mark. Dr. Lasher, the Fillmore Four, Dr. Harrington. It's all here. People have been trying to get their hands on those tapes for years. How on earth did you get your... Scratch that. I don't want to know. But promise me you haven't exposed us. It's all good. It was given to me in my mailbox. Can you believe that? My mailbox. Now that's just too... Who was it? That brother? I don't know. But Mark, here's the thing. There's more. A lot more. Listen. Now, I know all four of you are going to be crushed that I'll be stepping back from leading these sessions. All good things, as they say. So, this is Dr. Darlene Harrington. She will be your new counselor. May the gods have mercy on her soul. Thanks for the warm introduction, Dr. Lasher. Well then, I'll leave you to it. It's a pleasure to meet you all. Let's go around the room and introduce ourselves, cool? My name's Alicia Higgins. I'm not really into talking all that much lately. Sorry. I'm Bruce. I'm fabulous. The end. I am Roland. I am a good person. I'm Kiara. My friends call me Kiki, though. I came. I saw. I wanted more. I don't know. I'm done. That's okay. I guess it's my turn. I'm Darlene Harrington, and I'm looking forward to going on this journey with you all. (laughs) You sure about that, Doc? You've been listening to The Gloom, a production of Violet Hour Media, produced and directed by Frank Merle, written by Peter Winsutsky and Michael Azeb, music by Talib Peshkapia, sound design by John Zowski, mixed and mastered by Jean-Marc Preset, executive produced by Cassie Josephoff. Lynette Tachel is the voice of Samantha, Charles Riffenberg is Mark, Michael Clark is Johnny, Carrie Weeder is Darlene, and Tobin Bell is Dr. Lasher. The Fillmore Four are Hunter Johnson, Veronica Johnson, Angeline Labrie, and Spencer Ortega. Additional voices by James Cowan, Galen Howard, Jake Kaufman, Aaron Killeen, Keith Corneluk, Danielle Today, and Eileen Dietz as Dr. Glassman.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.